Welcome to Connection Church's podcast. This week, we conclude the On the Rock series with a panel discussion from four married couples here at the church. Bringing different perspectives, the couples were asked to answer practical questions about marriage and the things they have learned along the way. Good morning. Everybody good this morning? Hope so. Nice, uh, pretty day outside. Um, everybody awake? It's rainy, rainy morning's kind of... Uh, make you a little drowsy sometimes. So I hope you're you're awake. I'm excited to be here today and excited about this panel. We had an awesome time at nine o'clock uh, this morning, and um, these guys had some awesome questions or a- answers um, to the questions that we had. If you if this is your first Sunday here, we've been taking questions for the last three weeks about marriage and relationships, and we're finishing up the On the Rock series with. Um, um, answering questions with uh, four couples that that are, have flawless marriages and uh, never have any issues at all in their marriages have been perfect from the beginning. And in order to find these couples, we we brought them in from um, all over the, the the United States and as far as Richmond Hill, um, Brooklyn, Portal, and even Iron Gate. So. Uh, we brought them from all over the place, but they've got some uh, great uh, answers to the questions that you guys have asked and some questions we've thrown in that are commonly asked of us here at the church. And uh, so pretty, we're going to pray and then we're going to just jump right in um, and let them begin to answer the questions. It's nice for me to be able to sit up here and listen for a change instead of doing all the talking. But um, anyway, we're going to pray and then we'll jump in and start off with uh, our uh, intros and then um, let them answer questions. Well, Father, we thank you for today and uh, just the opportunity we have to be together. We thank you for um, just meeting here with us, that that you're faithful to be with us when we gather in your name. And so, Father, I thank you that you're here. I pray that as um, we have this conversation about these questions, God, that you would speak through your word and and speak through the words that you put on each speaker's heart. Um, God, that lives would be changed, that marriages would be changed, that we would draw closer to you and and, um, begin to look more and more. Uh, the way you created us to be, God. We love you and we thank you. Thank you that you love us so much. You come to where we are, but you also love us so much you'll, you never leave us the same. And so, God, I pray that you would speak now in the mighty and awesome name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, first of all, I'm going to ask Dana to start. They're going to introduce themselves, and then we're gonna, we'll have the first question. So, Dana? My name's, uh, wow, Dana Russett. I'm Andrea Russett. Wendy Turner. Malaya Turner. Chris Owens. Kim Owens. Carol Yawn. Bruce Yawn. All right. So there's our panel. Um, and uh, a lot of times around here, one of the questions we get, um, and not just from people who are married, but people in general, is um, how, you know, people always say, keep Christ at the center of your life or keep Christ at the center of your marriage. But our first question today deals with that in practicality. So here's the first one. In practicality, how does one keep Christ in the center? It sounds easy, but you guys help us out with this. All right. Not everybody at once. Um, One thing that's important for me to keep Christ center is I've got a word I use every day in my prayer time and in my time is focus to keep myself focused on him. And even looking in the Bible, Matthew 16, 24, he must take up his cross and follow me every day. So if I keep my focus on God, then I can also be the man that God wants me to be, to lead my family and just stay focused. And I use that in everything. Sometimes as we pray, we start to trail off 
oh, yeah, I got to pick up so-and-so, and I got to do this today. Oh, wait, focus, and I can stay right back where I need to be. So that just helps me each day to stay where I'm supposed to be. Okay, good. All right. Um, of course, everybody knows if, if to have a, a marriage focused on Christ, you have to personally be focused on Christ and, and submit to him daily. But, but also, uh, we feel like it's important to have a mission and a, a vision for our marriage and how we're supposed to serve together uh, in the church and, and serve Christ. And, and uh, there are specific goals that we have you know, to reach for Christ together. answer that one one of my favorite uh bible verses is first peter 3 uh, 15 where it says sanctify christ as lord of your heart so when others ask of the of the uh, hope that you have you can be able to reveal to them that hope and i think that is the way you do it you have to make christ lord of your heart uh, to keep him at the center of your uh of your life and um, i think it's that's so important and that comes through study and Christian relationships. I guess along with that, I, I simply, I think if a husband and wife don't have their own personal daily walk with Christ, it's going to be extremely hard for Christ to be at the center of the marriage. It just is. It's not going to work. Um, uh, and I think that's kind of what, what everyone's saying. You know, I think you personally have to have your daily uh, walk with, with Christ. Um, going back to, you know, what Chris said about focus. Um, you know, if, if, if Christ is the center of my personal life each day and he's the center of Wendy's life, then obviously we've got common ground for our marriage, and, and that's Jesus Christ. Good. Um, not always are you with your spouse in the exact same spot, and, and one person might not have Christ as the center of their life, but you're accountable to God for what you have. And if you put Christ in the center of, of your life, and for me uh, to pray uh, what I'm supposed to for my husband, then that still keeps Christ to the center, whether the other spouse knows it or not. Um, to that point, we had talked about this too. We um, we both have daily practices. Um, I I have a, a time that I read scripture and then I just sit silently and just listen. And Chris reads scripture and devotionals every day. But we can tell when the other one's not doing that. Like our lives feel a little bit out out of balance. And so we do our best to remind each other and say, you know, have you spent your time with God recently? And um, that really helps keep us accountable, I think. Good. Good. All right. One. This one is um, really geared, I guess, towards those who maybe aren't married at this time. Um, but it's a question that I get um, constantly especially when I was in youth ministry I heard this all the time and I always joke about the fact that you know a 12 year old coming to me saying I think I found the one how do I how do I know um but it happens probably more than you would think but uh this question is uh how did God reveal to you that this is the person he wants you to marry um I'm afraid that I was not uh, studied enough to know when Bruce and I got married uh, that I was supposed to, um, God was supposed to reveal this to me or that he was the one to tell me. But fortunately, he blessed me. And uh, I did know Bruce's background, and they were it was similar to mine, and he had been brought up in the Christian faith. And so God blessed us in that we both... Um, 
had Christian, a, a Christian mate, um, but I definitely think that it's something that needs to be discussed in a relationship before you get to the point of marriage um, and that it needs to be talked about and, and see where you are in your walk with God. Okay. Anybody else want to chime in on that one? Uh, yeah, I told the the group earlier this morning that, you know, when, when I got married, I wasn't a Christian either, and I, I didn't have a clue. I mean, it was, you know, I... I knew I loved my wife or wife to be, but I, I didn't know, you know, there was no, there was nothing to compare what a marriage was supposed to be to, uh, for me. And so it wasn't until a couple of years later, uh, when I accepted Christ as my savior that, that, and I started reading scripture and really got into scripture and, and realized the vows that we had taken, uh, and, and what we had actually said to each other, you know, uh, a couple of years earlier, uh, at that altar and, and, and the importance of it and what it really meant. And so, so, um, you know, for me, it was something that, you know, he didn't really reveal it until, until later. So. Um, I know one of the things I heard a long time ago in regards to that is um, advice on, on how you know who the one is, that, that person that God is, has uh, designated for you, that he put in your life. And um, that advice was to run, run as hard and fast after God as you possibly can. And then when you look to your left and to your right, the person who's running along beside you, that's the one who... Um, God would have for you. And I think that's a good rule of thumb. I mean, you want to be, as, as Andy was mentioning earlier, you want to be in um, a marriage with somebody who's on the same mission as you are. If you go into a relationship and, and a marriage, especially, and you go into this thing and they're running the opposite direction of you, probably not going to work out so well, right? And so um, I just believe that, that that's so important is to, to find somebody who's going to run alongside of you in your pursuit with Christ. Um, all right. Um, moving to question, uh, number four, we're going to jump down to number four on this one. Um, and, uh, this is, a, this is one of the questions that was in the box. It says, what has been the biggest challenge your marriage has faced? And I want to tag on to the end of that. How did you overcome that challenge? So somebody jump on that one. I'm going to go first this time because in the last uh, session, I, didn't realize I had a cha- any challenges, and it was revealed to me. <laughs> so uh, I felt like I should go first. Uh, I think uh, I think early on in our marriage, and Carol and I have been married probably the longest uh, uh, forty-one years. I think is that correct? And uh, you know, after that many years, one thing one thing that uh, one of the privileges that go along with that is you forget a lot of things. And apparently, I had forgotten some of the challenges that we had had early on in our marriage. But uh, I think uh, the the biggest challenge I had, I think I felt like that. You know, even though it was very a very you know godly marriage, and uh, I took the wedding vows very seriously, and uh, we were both. Christians, and that was very much a, a part of our life. I think that I felt like as that I was the provider, and I was working, and I was working a lot of hours at, at that time. We were in the Minute Mart business and the restaurant business. So I was working a lot of weekends and nights, and I felt like that because of that, I had earned the privilege to do, you know, certain things that for myself, and. Uh, uh, 
I kind of tend to forget at times that, you know, we were raised, had three children, three young children, and Carol was looking after those children while I was, you know, maybe out playing golf or something. And uh, I learned very quickly when she came out one day when I was on the golf course with three children and uh, two of them were crying and she came up and in my golfing group and you know I, as I told him this morning I knew she wasn't there to check on and see how I was playing golf that day <laughs> so I realized then that I needed to get my priorities straight and one of the priorities that I needed to get straight it was that I needed to you know I need to die to myself and put my family my wife and family ahead of myself and I think that was a challenge that uh was revealed to me, and I think it's made our marriage much stronger and much better. Um, for me, I guess a lot like what Bruce said, um, early in our marriage, uh, one of the things I did was uh, building a career. I'm a football coach, and so um, during football season, it was practically seven days a week. Um, and I guess because I spent so much time working at that and, and all, I kind of, like Bruce said, I I guess you kind of feel like you earn the right to do some things, you know, and a lot of times it would be a Thursday night after practice or whatever, and some of the coaches would be having a cookout, and I'd be over there, and then Saturday I might go hunting with the buddies or fishing. or And so there were a lot of things I was taking. I felt like I needed some time to myself or the time to do some of the fun things that I had done before I got married. And the problem was, you know, Wendy was at home with, with two kids, and, so it was very, very selfish. So, you know, that was one of the things that, that God revealed to me that I had to overcome and uh, is, is, to, is to make sure that, uh, that I spent time with her and with those kids. And, uh, and, again, you know, like Bruce said, it wasn't about me. I had to learn that, you know, the hard way. You know, sometimes God comes in and has a knock you upside the head. I'm a little bit hard-headed too, so he's really had to work on me with that. But it was just learning that, that, that this was a new, a new, uh, a new thing in my life. Uh, you know, I wasn't an individual, a single person anymore. I was married. I had children. There was responsibility there. And I loved my wife and I loved my kids. I think sometimes as men, we think that, you know, if, if I provide, if there's money in the bank, if I'm paying the bills, if they've got nice clothes, or if they've got a vehicle, we think that it's all good. And the thing that, that I had to realize is uh, your wife and your kids, they need their husband and their father more than they need clothes, cars, and a roof over their head. They want that that husband and that father, and they want that quality time, and, and that's the way it's supposed to be. And so uh, that was something I had to learn. Um, well, Chris and I were not Christians when we were married. We actually were saved when our son was two. So we entered into marriage with a lot of brokenness, a lot of hang-ups, a lot of instability in both of our lives. And I think that the reason... It, so so what was really hard for us is that um, the way that Chris handled instability was completely different from the way that I handled it. And my way of handling instability was to go into freak out, control everything mode. So I was just a complete control freak. And then Chris was the opposite. He um, would handle stress by just kind of shrugging his shoulders and not knowing what to do. And um, so there was sort of this, this like, we, we've talked about it a lot. And for him, it was really like um, not a lack of confidence. And for me, it was this controlling spirit. And it was really hard because as, as we became saved and God was revealing more and more things to us, 
I, I really wanted Chris to sort of take this new role in our relationship of like being the head of our household, yet I wasn't willing to give it up. And so it was a real struggle. And we've, um, we've just, we've learned a lot. God's really brought us a long way in our relationship. Well, earlier, Don mentioned something about baggage that you bring into the relationship from previous things. And whether that's from a relationship or family things, and me and Kim have have talked about this, a lot of times that follows you in there. Well, I don't know if I can really give my whole heart to them because last time I did that. But then we've talked about this where when you get saved, all that is gone. Let it go release it and then you can focus on who's in front of you now who you're giving your life to now jesus has washed you clean so you can let go of those previous things that are holding you up and whether that's my lack of confidence yourself of your control and or whatever the issue may be if we release it and give it up to god let him help you and we are, are constant reminders to each other, like, okay, you need to relax, and I need to step up. So we kind of help each other out with that. Okay. Uh, one of the things for us is, and we didn't even talk about this, but um, uh, Andy had been married when we got married. She had been married previously, and she had two uh, boys already. And uh, I remember our, our middle son, Craig, uh, uh, one night we were sitting on the couch, and I was getting ready to kiss you. And he threw his hand in front of my face. And I told him, I said, you know, if you don't move that hand, you're going to live with a hook the rest of your life. <laughs> but, <laughs> I didn't. But, but, um, but, you know, it was one of those things that, you know, and he said to me, and, and it just, I remember it cut, you know, so deep. He said, my mom loves me more than she loves you, you know. And he was a, he was a, a young child, you know, and it was something that I, you know, I really realized that, you know, one of our issues was that they were afraid that they were losing their mother, you know, uh, to this to the stranger that came in their life. So, so that was something that we, you know, certainly was a challenge for us to overcome. So, and I said in the first service, uh, uh, opposites attract, and we're definitely opposite. And um, the things that drew me to him at first were the things that drove me crazy after we got married. Mm-hmm. So we really had to learn, you know. How to how to balance our, our relationship, and it was difficult, really, until we were saved. And once we got saved, and and like Chris said, once Christ is in the middle, all those challenges kind of, uh, you know, took up. Yeah, they faded away. One thing that uh, I think Dinah was referring to a while ago too is is um, priority as far as putting God first, but then. What I had so much trouble with as far as the challenge is once the children were born was putting Bruce second. And I, I hopefully, uh, well, I've seen my children are doing a much better job at that, of putting their spouse or finding time for date nights or, or time. But I, back when, when Bruce and I were raising our kids, I put my children ahead of him so many times when I shouldn't have. And I think remembering that priority with God first, your spouse second, and then your children. And it's awful hard as a young mother uh, to do that. Uh, but, in, in fact, I catch myself even now uh, 
putting my children ahead of Bruce sometimes, but I, I, I try to remember, and, and even when they want me to babysit, if Bruce has said, we're going to do so-and-so or let's do so-and-so, uh, I try to make that a priority. And just remember, you know, the only time it's okay to put your children ahead of your husband's at Christmas. So <laughs> you, uh, at that point, you know, just whatever, whatever you feel led to do, you do. Um, but uh, everybody ready to move on? I'm going to skip around just a little bit um, this time, throw a little wrinkle in this thing. Don't want you to be too comfortable up here. So um, I want to jump down to question number 11. Um, Joey spoke a few weeks ago about communication, and it's such a huge issue in the church and, and in marriages. Um, I want to ask this question. Number 11 says this. It says, obviously, a lack of communication is a problem for many marriages. Looking at the lack of communication as the symptom, what do you believe to be the root of the problem? Um, and I know you guys probably have never dealt with this issue of communication, but... Um, what do you see as sort of the, the root cause of this, and how do you overcome that practically in your marriage? What does that look like? I would say there's a lot of different reasons, mm-hmm. and you have to look at everything. Men and women communicate differently, and that was a really big thing for us to know, you know, how he's communicating, to learn that. And uh, Milan talked when, uh, when he was speaking, was talking about uh, you come from different uh, backgrounds, and that shapes who you are. And he was, he's part Italian, so everything, you know, he, he communicated very openly and uh, very loudly sometimes. <laughs> and I was uh, one who didn't want to share because I had, a, a, I had a lot of insecurity and I didn't want anybody to really know who I was because I was afraid that they wouldn't like me. So I didn't communicate. And um, when, we, uh, when we would have a disagreement or something, I would just never say anything. And he would say a lot and he... He finally had to make me express myself. I mean, he asked me to to please share what I was feeling, and that was that was a hard thing. But but just being able to share your feelings and not judge the other person for what they feel, I think, is yeah. is important for us. Okay. Um, for me, it was just trust. It was um, any any time we're not communicating well, it's because. I'm maybe not saying what's really in my heart because I'm afraid that it won't be received correctly or perhaps I'm upset because I'm not trusting that God will really take care of us and that Chris will really make the right decisions for us. And that's been a real challenge for me. And the only thing I can do about that is to pray. I just pray a lot. That um, that My favorite scripture for that is Isaiah 26.3 says, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. And I feel like when I'm trusting God, I, I'm at peace. You know, one, one thing for me, too, is I don't know if anyone knows this, but women have a lot more words to use than men do. And, uh, and, and one of the things that I had to learn was that, you know, when it's the bottom of the ninth inning and the score's tied and there's bases are loaded and my wife has something that she wants to say, um, that, you know, I really need to learn to listen and, and, and take the time and, and, and 
because it's important for her to be able to say all the things that she needs to say, and it was it was easy for me to kind of withdraw and and, and not always want to say, get to the point. Yeah, and yeah, and I used to say get to the point, <laughs> which didn't always go over so well. Uh, and and so yeah, and so that was that was one of the things also. I think for me, one of the things is that. I'm not as good a communicator as Carol is, and I don't know who said it, but I think Dana just said it, that, you know, women have a lot to say, and she, Carol is a good communicator, and sometimes I, I'm a person that internalizes things, and sometimes I don't share everything, and uh, a lot of us, I might say, well, it's just something she doesn't really need to know, but, you know, I have to be careful because, you know, it's not... She doesn't really need to know it, but it doesn't hurt for her to know it. So I have to make myself be sure that I do communicate with her. And I, I would say that's, a, you know, as I said earlier, I'm not one to admit that I might have some deficiencies, but uh, that would probably. And uh, I'm going to have to ask my other son-in-law to leave if he keeps laughing at me. Over there. <laughs> but um, I think that would probably be an area that I really have to really have to work on. And work at. All right. I know. I know. Just in our marriage, and Susan's not here, so I can say whatever I want to. Um, but I know for me, one of the biggest things was when, when I finally started opening up to her and sharing, not just um, sharing my feelings. Share, and that sounds so like not what a guy would do. Sharing your feelings and sharing what you're actually, what's going on inside. And sometimes it flip-flops where, where the, the girls have the problem that a lot of times the guys have. And, and it's funny how those roles get reversed. But I realized that by sharing what I was feeling, it often got to the root of the problem. Rather than this dealing with this emotion or whatever was going on, it often got to the root of it. And I realized how much um, it helped me to be able to do that. And, I was, and it was kind of funny when we, actually I told you guys last week, when we started going to marriage um, counseling a few, uh, about a year ago actually, I think it was, um, and we started working on this communication stuff. It was just like a whole new world opened up to us. And um, I would just encourage you um, to explore that, walk through that, begin to open your heart up, um, begin to trust um, you know, as, as best you can and, and trust in God and trust in your spouse and, and sharing because it's amazing when you begin to deal with the root of what's going on Rather than just trying to pick off the bad fruit that's in your life, um, it's amazing how things change. Um, let's go to question number seven. This will, this will be a good one. Um, question number seven says this. How do you handle an argument that neither spouse can find common ground in? This was actually one that was in our, uh, our box. How do you handle an argument that neither spouse can find common ground in? Okay, I'll go for that. Um, for us, we pray. Um, Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is living and powerful. And that is so important in our lives, in our lives with our children as well. Like, um, when, we, when we have a choice to make or an um, argument over something, we really sit down as a family and we pray. And then we wait, and that's hard. It's, like, really hard when you just want to make a decision. But we really try to do our best to wait on the Lord and to get a word from God. Um, we read our Bible, we pray, and we discuss things openly. And I think that's so important because we're really we're learning it as adults, but we're trying to model that for our children, that um, when there's a big decision to be made, sometimes your head is saying one thing, um, but God lives in your heart, and if you'll take the time to 
go into your heart and read the Bible and give time, give God time to speak to you and open yourself up to his word, that really, that really helps us. Uh, a couple of scriptures that uh, women I found on that. One was, uh, going along with what you said, uh, Philippians 4, 6. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything through prayer and supplication, make your requests known unto God. Um, you know, making sure that you pray. If, if there's an issue that you're not finding common ground on, again, it goes back to, to Christ. You know, what what does God want us to do in this situation? So both of you praying individually and then praying together about the situation. And then uh, another scripture was uh, Ephesians 4.26. It said, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. So making sure that as you pray through it and as you discuss these issues, um, you know, that you know you don't get angry and you don't, uh, you know, go to bed mad and all those sort of things. I think you need to be very careful making sure that, that uh, you're not doing all this, you know, arguing and stuff in front of your kids that, you remove yourself from the situation, commit to pray about it, and then come back together and, uh, and and ask God to change. You know, be very transparent. You know, God, change my heart. What do you want us to do here? And if, if I'm wrong, change my heart. You know, and her praying the same thing. And, and then God, you know, helping you find a solution. I found also, I mean, I agree with everything that everybody said, but sometimes when it comes to decisions, not just arguments over, you know, personality things and stuff, but when it comes to a decision that you have to make, and you have opposite sides, um, you do have to pray through it and, and pray for peace. And I pray for him. But ultimately, if it's a decision, he's the leader, and it's going to rest with him. Even if I don't agree after he's, after he's heard everything that I have to say and my argument and my reasoning and everything, the decision really for us rests with him because he's accountable to God for that. And all I can do is pray. Yeah. And, yeah, and yet in that, that, you know, that hardly ever comes up in that, you know, if you follow God's precepts and God's principles in the Bible, I mean, most things, it's amazing how they just are easily worked out anyway. And, and you know, it's a very rare thing that you, you come to that. And your decision should be what's best for the family. So. I know one of the things um, that I think about, too, is, one of the keys, I think, in coming to common ground is being honest with yourself. And it's easy, I think, to, um, because of your desires or what you want, to begin to say, well, I think God's telling us this, or I think God's telling us that. And and maybe the distance there, the, the reason that there's no common ground is because just not being honest with what God's saying and, and your own desires are overriding that. Um, and I know for me that can be the thing. A lot of times in our relationship, Susan um, gives timing to whatever God's leading us to do. I'll come home and say, "What do you think about this? This is what I feel like God's leading us to do." And Susan will say, "I think you're nuts," you know. And um, and then, but over time, God kind of tweaks it and moves it around, and then she'll say, "You know, when you said this, and I told you, not, well, I think maybe God's leading us to do this." And um, and so a lot of times she gives that timing, but I have to be honest with myself and even being willing to value her opinion submit it to her and say i'm trusting that you hear god as well as i do now what do you think about this and so um but being honest with ourselves i think is huge as well um all right let's go to ephesians chapter 5 i'm going to read verses 25 through 33 and then i'm going to ask um the man a question and uh let them answer it ephesians 5 25 through 33 very common scripture um we're going to get their take on it. Uh, 525 says, Husbands, love your wives, 
just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but he feeds and cares for it, just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. So guys, here's the question. In practicality, what does it look like to be the spiritual leader of your family? Um, for me, I try to be the example for my children. They can see what somebody's leading their family. I did not have that growing up. My mom and dad were divorced when I was little. Um, I was probably two. I didn't don't know my father except for like an email once a year. Um, so I try to be the father I wanted to have, that I had hoped to have. Two or three stepdads, several boyfriends later. uh, I never had a clear idea of what that leader of the family is. Um, So I'm stumbling, trying to figure it out. But one thing I do try to do each night or periodically through our, our weeks and months is I prayer walk the house. And for me, that's important for my family. I will walk through every room praying that over each of my boys and my wife, uh, I've prayer walked the outside, the inside, and just asking God to fill my house up with his love. And it's funny, though, because sometimes you can see everybody go to bed. They're tired. They're stressed. They're worn out. They're whiny. They're grumpy, me, myself included. And everybody wakes up. They feel refreshed. Bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, ready to tackle the day. And it's amazing how that... And they don't even know I did that. They're asleep. They're crashed out. And I'll just go in the room and just ask God to help them through their night and, and just fill their room and their themselves with love and, and His security. And for me, that's being the leader in my house. I think first of all, for the for the man to become the spiritual leader of his house, he must uh, first receive Christ and make Christ Lord of his heart, as I had said earlier about with First Peter uh, three fifteen. And I think then and only then can we as men become the spiritual leaders of our households if we're being led by God's Spirit in our lives and our decisions and the things that we say and the things that we do and uh, our relationships with our family and our friends. So uh, I think that's that's the starting point. And I think it's also uh, vital that we pray and study God's Word and become uh, allow God's words to to influence the decisions that we make in our in our family each and every decision and uh you know that's that's the place god wants to be and it, it said in verse 31 uh you know for this cause a man shall leave his father and mother and shall cleave to his wife and the two shall become one flesh and uh you know I, one of the things that i take very seriously is the the wedding vows and uh now when when we go to a, a wedding after some illnesses that Carol has been through uh, over the past couple of years and uh, 
where it says, you know, in sickness and in health, we always kind of nudge each other. And it makes me wonder if the couple getting married really knows what they're fixing to go through, you know, because you do you do things that for your wife that you would never think that you would have to do, and especially you don't think about it that day when you're getting married up there on that altar. You don't, you're not thinking about 40 years down the road some of the things that you may ha- be, have to do for your wife, and you do it not not out of a, a, a sense of responsibility. You do it out of a sense of love, and I think the the key to to any marriage is 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 love. And uh, uh, the only way that we can be the spiritual men can be the spiritual leaders is, is if you know we first of all we accept the love that that God has for us, the unconditional love, and also that we pass that on to to our family and they can see God's love in us and then truly we can become the spiritual leaders of our household. I think as a spiritual leader of the home that uh, it's uh, the husband's responsibility to make sure that the word and prayer is a priority. Um, You know, several things we do is that uh, is have family devotions at night with our kids and you know, and, and not just family devotion, but taking time to, to talk about things in the lives of our kids and, and we did I being transparent in our own lives and making sure that that our kids and our family always knows that we go to God, that it's it's about Him and, and His His plan and purpose for our life. Whether we're talking about our marriage, whether we're talking to our kids about their future lives, college and, and being married and relationships and all that, just making sure that they know that it's Christ centered. And, uh, you know, every morning we get up with our family and, and Wendy and I, the kids, make sure that we pray as a family before we go to work in school every day and make sure we start our day out like that. And as a spiritual leader of the home, I think it's important that uh, that as husbands we model Christ for our wife and for our kids. They're going to believe what they see in us much more than they're going to believe what we preach to them. You know, you can read the Bible with them and you can pray with them, but they're going to watch how you carry yourself. You know, here's what daddy says, or here's what Milan says, but what does he do when a crisis hits? How does he respond? Does he look like Jesus, or does he flip out, you know? Uh, and does he show that unconditional love to us? So we've got we've to model the example that Christ set before us. And I think for me, um, you know, so much of what's been said already, you know, you know I agree with... Um, you know, one of the things that that I think is important for me as a spiritual leader, also though, is to be able, you know, for my family to know that they can count on me, um, that I'm going to provide for them uh, is one thing. You know, women are are very uh, security oriented, and um, and one thing they want to know is that you know that they're going to be taken care of. And and uh, and Timothy in in chapter. Uh, Five and verse eight it says, "But if uh, any provide not for his own, and especially for those of his own house, he's denied the faith and is worse than an infidel." You know, so it's important for me and and for my family to know that they're going to be taken care of, and that I'm going to do whatever it takes to make sure that they have shelter, they have food, and those things. But then one one other thing that I think is really important, and and it's something that I that I have to work on constantly, is one of the things that happens when you become married is you you 
you try and turn, you know, your, your life from a selfish individual into a selfless individual, you know, and that's a struggle all the time. And, and when we were first married, it was all about me, you know, making sure that I was, you know, what I needed and what I wanted and all and, and very selfish. And, and it took me a long time to make sure that I put my wife and my kids first. And, and the more that I do that, um, I just, the more joy that I receive, uh, in my family and my walk. And, uh, and so that's been, you know, and it's a constant struggle. I mean, it's easy to put yourself first. And, and, but, you know, selfishness is really, I mean, when you think about sin in general, it's the root of every sin, you know, um, whether it's murder, whether it's adultery, whether it's uh, whatever it is, you know, it all comes down to me and, and I'm more important than, than someone else. And so, so that for me has been a, has a, been a big thing. And, and it's not always easy to try and put, you know, someone else in front of you, you know, and, but the more that we do that, the, the more, uh, I think, you know, reward there is from our walk. That's good. All right. Um, back to Ephesians five, I'm going to read, uh, verses 22 through 24 and let the ladies respond to this. It says, wives submit to your husbands as to the Lord for the husband is the head of the wife as the church is the head of, as, as the church is the head, as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. And obviously, there's been a lot of abuse with these scriptures, um, but we want to hear your take on this, um, these, these verses. So, um, if you guys, whoever wants to start that one. Okay, I'll get Thank it. you. Um, this has just been such a struggle for us, but God's just brought us so far. Um, it, early in our relationship, I had a friend say to me, you always say you want Chris to be the head of the household, but you don't ever give him the chance. And then she told me about something she had seen where they put a man up on stage and had him handcuffed and gave him all these tasks to do. And she said, if you won't release those handcuffs and let him lead, he'll never have the opportunity to do that. So it was very hard for me. But once I, once I understood that and started putting that in practice, it's just been amazing to see what Chris has been able to do. I mean, the calling that God placed on his life, he went back to school, he's a teacher, he's in a master's program. None of that would have happened if I was driving the bus the whole time. Um, it's, it's just been amazing. And my mom, um, my mom got really sick with um, brain cancer and came to live with us for three years. And I tell you, that was the big, that was such a big challenge for us. But to see him put my mom and myself and our boys first. Um, I said earlier, uh, submission has such a negative connotation. But when you think of it as submitting to Christ, um, and what Christ has for us, you know, it's, it's a wonderful thing for us to just release ourselves and, and to have Christ and um, to have that in our marriage. I, I like um, the message version of 22. It says, wives, understand and support your husbands in ways that show your support for Christ. And uh, the ro- role that Christ has for me um, is a perfect one. And it, and it calls for him to be the leader. And for me, to have the freedom from not being the leader to do everything else that God calls me to do. And women have a lot of other roles and I don't have to deal with, uh, having the responsibility and being accountable to God for, for, uh, everything. So, um, and I, I have to say too, that when I was young, 
uh, I thought being a doormat and giving in was being submissive. And all that does is lead to repressed anger. And uh, being submissive is giving, and it's not holding on. Um, I guess for me, just showing Milan uh, respect and esteeming him and building him up and um, and also having that relationship with God so that he, you know, knows confident in my relationship with with God and um, I didn't do that early on in our marriage I didn't uh, build my land up and I didn't respect him like I I do now and um, so that's just been a big challenge and for me but um, just doing that I think is submitting Uh, submission is a hard thing for me but like um, Andy said I think once you understand what the submission means. Uh, it doesn't mean being a doormat. Um, also, I think that if you're in a relationship um, where your husband may not um, be a believer or um, or your your boyfriend or girlfriend, then First uh, Peter three says, wives, in the same way, be submissive to your husbands, so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives. And I think sometimes, um, sometimes just not saying anything, which is hard for me to do, um, but by your behavior, um, you can communicate, um, you know, your, what you feel and what your faith is, um, Okay, good. Um, I've been wanting to ask this question all morning, so um, we'll go to question number nine, and I hadn't got to ask this one yet, but um, for those who are in in dating relationships, how would you suggest that they handle the sexual temptation that comes along with those relationships? And crickets. I'll start again. Um, in First Corinthians ten twelve, or no, yeah, ten ten thirteen. No test or temptation that comes your way is beyond the course of what others have had to face. Milan talked a couple weeks ago about um, uh, preparing for the adversary and uh, all the study that goes in, like to football for for your opponent and stuff, and. There is nothing out there in the world, like the Bible says, that you can't prepare for. Uh, A friend of mine uh, told me that she and her boyfriend made a point never to be alone together. That they never uh, would go into a a house, a room, or anything where they were alone. Because that was a protection. And you can prepare for that ahead of time. Um, Dana uh, is such a blessing because he he, um, made a, a... I don't know, it's not a promise, but a decision a long time ago that uh, he would do like Billy Graham did. Billy Graham never uh, traveled unaccompanied. He would never put himself in a place where he could get into a situation. That uh, And so Dana has never had, he's had female business colleagues, but he will call me to um, to come and have lunch with them if they had a business lunch. That I would, I would drove to Bluffton so that he would not be alone with another woman and for have anyone see him with someone else. And so I appreciated that. You know, the preparation that goes into that. You know, one of the things, too, is um, 
I mean, let's be honest. Sex is a great thing. <laughs> and, you know, but it's great in context. And and that's not outside of marriage, you know. And, and you know, I'm sure that there's people with a crowd this size that have have made the mistake, mistake and they've had sex outside of marriage. And one of the great things about God is he's a God that restores. And he can put everything back the way it was originally. And and so that's not a license to just go ahead and have sex before marriage. But what it is is it's, it's you know, it's an opportunity to change and, and, and to change the way you're doing things now. One of the things that I always tell Luke, and, you know, there's situations uh, where, you know, he'll be alone with a girl. And, and, and I always tell him, you know, it's not just the fact that you're not doing anything, but, you know, we're supposed to guard ourselves from the uh, appearance of impropriety. And so, and so it's important that, you know, if you, if you guard yourself from that, it goes a long way at keeping you out of trouble because you're not in situations where, you know, where you're, you have the ability to, uh, to, to be tempted and go farther than you should. You know, the other thing is that when Joseph, um, you know, was in Potiphar's house and Potiphar's wife made the move on Joseph, you know, he left everything and took off and fled. And, and, and for him it was, you know, again, you know, I mean, he knew that if he'd stuck around, something may have happened. So he, he was smart enough to, to leave immediately and get out of that situation. I think it uh, in a relationship at the beginning of a relationship I think it begins with the making a decision that this is this is what we're going to do that we're 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 not going to have sex in this relationship until we get get married and I think that's that's the beginning point and then uh, in Matthew it says keep watching and praying I think then you have to do that and the second part of that scripture that Andy was talking about in Corinthians was that you know God will not allow us to be tempted beyond which we are able if we make him a part of that decision through prayer and watching. So uh, I, I think that's, that's, that's the beginning, and that's, that's the way you, you do it. And it's, it's tough. I'm, I mean, it, it's hard. As, um, as, as uh, Dana said, you know, sex is a wonderful thing. I mean, it, it really is. And uh, it's, it's, it's a temptation, but it's... Also, just as great a temptation, I think, for for married couples as it is for for unmarried couples, and uh, and I think as Andy was saying that you know the easiest way is just to flee from it just as quick as you, as you can, especially if you're you're a married person. And the today's world, you're placed in so many situations where. Uh, Men and women are working together, and sometimes you confuse a, a working relationship with a relationship that, you know, uh, she understands me or he understands me. And um, at those times, you just you need to get away from it as quickly as you can and uh, go back to, to watching and praying. Uh, a couple of scriptures, uh, James 4, 7, humble yourself before God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Uh, and then in First uh, John... Uh, five, uh, one, five through seven, first John one, five through seven, it says, this is the message which we've heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. 
But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another in the blood of Jesus Christ. His son cleanses us from all sin. And uh, with that, I just think keeping everything in the light, you know, as, as they said up here in dating relationships, not being alone, uh, doing things in groups, um, you know, and, and not being in darkness and, and not allowing that in. Um, some resources I think that would be good if you're a high school student, if you're a parent of a, of a, a middle school or high school student, if you're a college student, um, Kiss Dating Goodbye by Josh Harris. They've got it at the uh, the bookstore here, and he's just he's got another book along those same lines. Um, you know, our society's got it all wrong, and I did it wrong, and Wendy did it wrong, and uh, uh, this dating thing uh, is 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 crazy. Uh, and it's been wonderful for our kids. Um, Dylan, uh, he's allowed to date when he's 26. Reagan, when she's 32. <laughs> we've already got that signed and, and take care of. But, uh, no, uh, we've – God has just put that on our hearts over the last few years. And our kids have been so receptive. They want to – and it's a blessing to us because our kids want to honor God. They want to wait on the person that's right for them. And uh, it's been – We've avoided so many issues in our home because our kids aren't, aren't in, in dating relationships. We don't have the phone stuff. We don't have the – it's funny because they watch all their friends break up today and back, back together tomorrow and break up. And, and their emotions are here and there, and they're, they're strung out all over the place. And our kids have been, I think, a lot happier and, and, and just at more peace. And, and it's just been amazing. Uh, and I'm bragging on them because I think it's had such an impact. Their emotional lives – their grades, they do an awesome job in school. They're both involved in sports. They love the Lord. They're involved in church. And, uh, you know, I tell them all the time, you know, you got God first, then family, then school, then sports, and then your friends. That's a handful. You know, there's a, where, where you've got time to, to get involved in this, these love relationships that I never see them go well. You know, they end up with breakups and heartaches. And a lot of times, like we're talking about here, they end up in a, in a boy and a girl in places doing things they had no business doing in the first place. Um, you know, they're not perfect, and, and, and none of my children are not above it falling into sin like, like anybody else. But I just think those are things that we have to preface. If, if we're going to be husbands and wives in Christian homes, then we got to make a stand, especially with our kids, you know. And it's not just – and what's great about it is teaching them. We talk about these things, you know. Why do you want to save yourself? Why, why is this dating boyfriend-girlfriend thing, why is it a joke? I mean, really, step back and look at it. It's crazy. And, and if you go scripturally, it's courting. You know, scripturally, it talks about courting. There's nothing in there about dating and, and smooching on each other and all this stuff and getting emotionally wrapped up with people. Okay? But it, it, and I'm, I'm rambling, aren't I? I'm You're good, man. Preach. But, uh, Preach. Amen. I'll but be, seriously. Amen. amen. But, 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 you know, it's about praying and seeking God, like you said earlier, running after Jesus. And that's the pr- focus for our kids is encouraging them to run after Jesus, fall in love with him with all your heart, and then watch as he brings the right person in your life. Because he does, you know, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future. He's got great plans for our kids, just like he's got great plans for you. Don't do anything to mess it up. Walk in the light as he is in the light, not in darkness. And see the great and incredible things that, that God's got for, for you out there. And again, like I said, there's resources out there. The Josh Harris, Kiss Dating Goodbye, and there's a couple other ones. He talks about courtship. Uh, he talks about for singles, young, uh, you know, college age and single adults. There's some great stuff in there on biblically how to go about courtship, how to do it the right way. Honor God. Showing respect for that young lady or, or for that guy doing it the right way. And I think those would be great resources for you.
cool. May I say something, Brandon? Sure. Um, we were not Christians when we um, when we met, and um, we kind of bought into the whole thing in society. You know, how will you? How do you know if you love somebody? You know, how do you know that your life will be good together? You know, you there. There's all these sort of lies that that are out there, and you just don't know when you're young. You know, it's it's really hard. But I had a good friend who said that. Um, she was teaching some young girls, and I probably won't get the story exactly right, but she had them cut out a heart to represent their heart and then glue hearts for everybody that they've loved in their life, that they've had a relationship with, that they've loved, and they left them glued on there. And at the end of a year, they went back and tried to remove those people they had loved from their heart, and their heart was torn apart. And I have to say, um, coming into a married relationship, if you bring all that heartbreak in with you, it's so hard to give your whole heart to your husband. And that has been a big challenge for us. But thank, thank God we, we have God, and he can restore our lives. But if you're young, you know, think about that. Really guard your heart. Okay. We're about out of time. I just, um, real quick, I want to ask maybe a couple of you um, this final question and, and uh, just to leave us with something. Um, if you left the congregation with one key piece of advice about marriage and relationships, what would it be? Um, so if a couple of you want to take that and answer it. Um, I think I, sh- I may have shared this with you before. I just uh, want to give you kind of an analogy. You know, if you if you go out and you buy, you know, the most incredible refrigerator, I mean, souped up with all the gadgets, just an incredible refrigerator, and you take it home and you go out and buy three or four hundred dollars worth of, of food, steaks, and all kind of great food, and, and you put it in there. You know, you've got this great appliance, you've got all this food in there, and you go to bed and wake up the next day and all the food's spoiled because you didn't plug the thing in. You know, and, and here's my point with that. On the outside, you had this great refrigerator. You had it piled full of food, but all the food rotted because you never plugged it in. My advice would be you got to stay plugged into the power sources, Jesus Christ. You know, we, you can put on this exterior shell. You know, you can look like you got everything right, and you can have the job. You can have money in the bank. You can drive Tahoes, Mercedes. I don't care. You can have all the nice clothes. You can have all that stuff. And you can go to church, and you can put money in the bucket. But the bottom line is, for your marriage and for your family to survive and to make it, you've got to be plugged into the power source, and that's Jesus Christ. If not, it's all coming down. It's all going to rot. Stay plugged into Jesus. This was the one question I didn't have an answer for, and I said, maybe I won't have to do anything. And here I am with a microphone in my hand about to say something, so no telling what's going to come out. But along the line, along the lines of what uh, Milan was just saying, that, no, it's not going to be don't. No, because I think that's that's not not my advice to anybody. But uh, you know, I think that that God has has a plan and a purpose for everyone, and God has a plan and a purpose for everything. And I think marriage is one of those things that He has a definite plan and a purpose for. And you know, the one thing that, as you study the Bible, you, you realize is God is uncompromising uncomp- on a lot of things. He will not compromise His holiness. Uh, God makes provisions for us, you know, for, for those times when we slip away from Him. But the one thing that God has a definite plan and purpose for is is the marriage relationship. And I think, if, as Milan just said, if you if you start that relationship of marriage... 
plugged into the Word, plugged into Jesus and God's plan, that it'll be successful. If you try to do it according to the world's standards and the world's way, uh, it's already on the road to failure. And uh, because the world is telling us so many things that uh, that go against exactly what God's teaching. And as I said earlier, you know, God does not compromise his holdings. It never has and never will. Yep. Yeah. Um, this is a scripture that I found last night that really, I think, sums up what they've been saying. I'm speaking of God's words. When you walk, they will guide you. When you sleep, they will watch over you. When you awake, they will speak to you. These commands are a lamp. This teaching is a light. And the corrections of discipline are the way to life. That's Proverbs six twenty two twenty three. Good. All right. Well, why don't we pray?